This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the eight-goal lead is the worst lead in sports. We'll talk to the Chancellor of the NLL about all things Western Conference. And we got rich lists, so there's only really one question to ask. It's a busy week nine. You know what that means? Another parlay. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Moving in front, Craig with a shot, and he scores! Despite Toronto having the second-worst power play in the league, they capitalize here. And Dan Craig, with the hat trick, his second goal in the half, has made it a 10-1 lead. Here's Jeff Tietze. Here we are talking about what's going on around the league, and this guy's just, it's another goal in the office for T. His seventh tonight to go along with five assists. Knight flips it to Smith. Smith has it stripped away by Martin, but Smith gets it back. The dunk and touch scores! Ryan Smith! What a lacrosse game. Failure. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Whether you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you're listening to us in yours, appreciate the time. Uh, he's Pat Gregor. Find him on Twitter at pgreggy. Uh, I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast, or find us on the Instas at OTCB Podcast. Uh, Patty, what is going on, my man? Been a crazy week and uh, back in the saddle for both of us. Crazy week? What? We didn't have any trades this week. We didn't have any blockbusters. This was a boring week. It for the, boring. No, it, it still was a good week. Uh, wild, 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 wild slate this week. But obviously, before we go into this upcoming week, it was a relatively quiet week in terms of like the the number of games but yeah. oh was not short on storylines man Let no not you. short on storylines at all um we go over a lot of it in coast to coast this week but obviously we want to talk about it uh here on the show this week on off the crossbar and we got to start with rochester just proving everybody wrong uh, especially me who had the worst hot take in the history of hot takes um <laughs> does it is it more impressive now that they're 6-0 when you look at who they've beaten? You know, obviously at the start of the year, they had some sub-500 teams that they're beating. But, you know, now they're beating the upper echelon teams in the National Lacrosse League, and they got another big test this weekend. But it just goes to show how good this team really is. It's not a fluke, and I think it's it's obvious. You know, they beat some really, really good teams, um, and they're continuing to rule, and – you would think a younger t- like yeah don't get me wrong they have some older guys some, mm-hmm. especially in their leadership group some some veterans in this lineup but there's a lot of guys on this team that haven't really had winning success yeah. in the NLL and you would think that you know at a 5 and 0 start or even a 3 and 0 there would be some complacency and feeling like feeling good about themselves but they continue game after game continue to 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 battle and show that you know this isn't a fluke 
they could have easily packed it in against Buffalo after going yeah. down 3-0. They could have been like, oh, well, our run's done. Or in the fourth quarter where Buffalo went on their run and they closed the gap and, and really took over the game. Like, th- this team has all the makings of, of a true championship contending team but you know obviously i'm i'm going to be seeing them this week so you know spent a lot of time talking to a lot of people in that organization and all of them have said it's it's just six games yeah they're enjoying their successes but they realize especially hazen and especially dawson two of the guys that you know talked to this week they've been in the league a long time and they said they know things can happen uh, at a snap of the fingers and and you cannot take this start for granted. Uh, enjoy it, but continue to do the things that are working to allow them to be successful. Yeah. They're a third of the way through their season six and oh, uh, they've got Halifax, Buffalo, Halifax, their next three games. Um, so it doesn't get any easier, but they're, you know, they continue to prove people wrong. And I know you've talked to Hazen and you look at that bench you know, it's Mike Hayes and it's Pat O'Toole who were two longtime OG Rochester Nighthawks back in the day. And then you get bring in a guy like Gavin Prout. They had Matt Giles running their offense last year. Now it's Gavin Prout's offense to kind of coordinate. And maybe we're not giving him enough credit. Like we talked to him back, you know, in the early weeks of the season. Um, but I really think he's done an incredible job with that offense for a guy who's really getting his first taste of NLL coaching. And I think he deserves a lot of credit for what that offense is doing. You know, he, he's getting Connor Fields to play an incredible level of lacrosse. Thomas Hogarth is starting to round into form. They just continue to get contributions from everybody. And, and that just is that blue collar mentality of Rochester lacrosse. And it's incredible to see. I want to see how they go up against Halifax. You know, we talked last week, it was the I 90 battle, it was the big brother, little brother. Uh, this is going to be the stepbrother battle of, of obviously old Rochester, new Rochester. They have a chip on their shoulder. And I really think that every time someone doubts them, they come back and put out an incredible effort like they did last weekend. And I'm really inter- interested to see how long they can keep this run going. You said it on Coast to Coast. They're bound to hit a rut. They're bound to hit a little bit of a losing streak. But it's going to be how they respond to that. But I want to see how they, how far they can take this. I think everyone wants to. Again, this has gone from a, a nice little Cinderella story start to now like, okay, like this team's legit. How long can they keep this going? When do they lose? Yeah. You start looking at the schedule and obviously a very tough test this week with Halifax. And don't don't get it. Like I know Halifax sitting at three and three, but I feel like, especially talking to some of the guys, if they don't lose to Albany or they win in overtime and then yeah. they drop uh, one to Toronto, I still think the outlook of Halifax is still like, oh, they're a top team. They just were dealt a bad hand. Yes. You know, with the back-to-back weekend. Instead, they drop two games in a row. Now they're at they're at 500 and it's like, okay, which Halifax team are we going to see going forward? Uh, it, was the start of their season fraudulent? Or was this just a little bit of a rut and they're going to have a big bounce back game against a team that a lot of these guys have history against? Yeah. Uh, the other game on the weekend or on Friday, Vegas and Vancouver. We're going to talk about that in a minute in a minute because we're going to have Brad Challenger coming up uh, on the show. But let's jump to Saturday afternoon lacrosse. It was 0-0 or 1-1 for that first quarter. Blaze scores. Um, Toronto ties it up. 
at 1-1, but then they just go on this incredible run in the second quarter. They get it out to 10-1. They really started to flex their muscle as a top team. They're getting, you know, another incredible game for Mitch Disnew. Nick Rose, uh, do we start to throw Nick Rose in the MVP conversation uh, with what, like his goalie numbers are off the charts right now. And he's, he's on pace to set some historic numbers between the pipes, but this is another team that is just clicking on full cylinders right now. They're freaking good, man. Like, they're a good team. And I think my, I think you had them going relatively deep. Uh, yeah. I had them, you know, my preseason pick was them to be a championship. And I'll be honest, I did waver a little bit, you know, them losing to Rochester, them not giving their best effort to a team. And, and it just felt like that game against Buffalo was missing that jam that you yeah. normally see with a Toronto Buffalo game. And, but since then, like you, you talked about this new, like wins a defender of the year last year, now possibly could be a transition player of the year. Brad Cree is putting up ridiculous defensive numbers, like shutting down top offensive players, um, you know, each every, and every single night. We haven't even seen Latrell Harris yeah. come alive. We haven't seen Chris Corbeil in this lineup. Like this defense can play. It's crazy to say with how good they're playing. There is more to give with this mm-hmm. defense. Um, the yeah. offense, the offense is clicking though. But the, the I think the big takeaway for me is that this this is a generational defense. Like this is a defense that could be scary for not just this year, but for years to come. Yeah, they're like that, you know, the the 16, 15, 16, 17 rush defense where they're just loaded front to back. And and you mentioned Latrell Harris. I asked uh, Matt Sawyer if Latrell's having a, a down year. And he said, well, maybe if you look at his offensive numbers in transition, sure, the numbers aren't quite there. But he is still playing incredible defense. He is still taking some of those big matchups and, and shutting guys down and being a physical presence. You just look at that group, you know, Adam J, Josh Jubinville, Brandon Slade, some of these lesser known guys are playing big minutes and big roles. And yeah, once they add Corbeil to that unit, uh, that is going to be a scary, scary group. So they jump out to a big lead. They cruise in Philadelphia, get another win in the Eastern conference. Uh, the other game on Saturday I think you mentioned it, a bit of a trap game for Albany going up against New York, who's struggling. And they showed uh, that they did not need Callum Crawford in that line to put up numbers. And maybe this is a turning point for that organization. I, I certainly believe it is. And, and no knock against Callum. He's been an unbelievable pro. Like, I still think he's got a lot to give. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he can be the, you know, the, 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 the straw that that stirs the drink for a team. Unfortunately, with this group, that straw has got to be Jeff T. Yeah. And even though Jeff T put up monstrous numbers last year uh, and was still putting up okay numbers, I just feel like this offense was kind of not hitting its full potential when the ball wasn't always coming out of 51. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And there was some games where, okay, this is 51's night. But then there were some games where it's like, okay, Callum's getting his looks. It has to be every single night. It's got to be 51's night. And mm-hmm. we saw that. 12 points, 7 goals. Um, you know, the, the the chemistry built between O'Connor and and, and Teed has, has been 
really, you know, microscoped and maybe Brett Hickey, maybe this is the plug that Brett Hickey Hickey needed two goals, four assists for six points. And you don't need him to be a 40 goal scorer anymore. Honestly, he's never going to be that guy anymore. Um, But he is a depth piece on that right side. I will say it's one win. They're still so far away, still not really sold on, on, on the goaltending situation there. But with that being said, I'd like to see them, add a right-handed ball carrier. I know I said the ball is going to be in 51 stick the majority of the game, but you still like, there's too many catch and shoot guys. Yeah. Yeah. Inside. They do need a guy that can kind of swing the ball and, and be that ball carrier on the right side. But Hey, I mean, they're not going to complain. Um, They put up 16 goals. It obviously has worked, but I think for them to be a little more well-rounded, they, they need to add that one piece. And if it doesn't come this year, it might come next year. It might come in the draft. But um, definitely a, the right step forward for New York. But they'll be the first ones to tell you. Um, there's still a lot of work to go. But it's nice to see that team still has a pulse. And they're not ready to pack it in. Well, we'll ask some of those questions to Rich Lisk uh, later on the broadcast. But what do we make of Albany now? You know, they had a, a, that huge comeback win in Halifax. They've kind of been Jekyll and Hyde a little bit this year. And this was a game where they really needed to show out. They were fully healthy. They had everybody in the lineup, but they just didn't have it from the jump and it cost them. And this has got to be a concern for Glenn Clark and his group that his team didn't get up for maybe a, a massive game to kind of create some space in the East for themselves. Uh, I'll be honest. This is, I feel like this is my theme of, of the year. It, it's the national lacrosse leagues, a goalie league. Yeah. And Doug Jameson did not have a good, good afternoon. Um, no. He struggled. Uh, he, he did not look like himself. Uh, he definitely didn't look like the goalie that we saw, you know, just a week prior in Halifax. And unfortunately I don't think this as good as the offense has been and, and how much better it's been than, we expected this year they just don't have the firepower to pick Dougie up like some of the other teams in this league do. You know, a Buffalo, if, if Matt Vince is having a rough night, they have enough firepower to pick up Vino and let him figure things out. If, if, if you know, in Halifax, we've seen if Warren's not really seeing the ball well um, on a certain night, uh, Halifax has enough scores. I just don't think Albany is at this point where they can outscore their defensive or goaltending woes, especially when they're better bread and butter. Like where they've yeah. been built from is goaltending and defense. And it yeah. just wasn't there. Uh, there was signs of goaltending and there were signs not of goaltending in Vegas. Um, and maybe the bigger story is another massive game for Jack Hanna, but the biggest story of that game. Uh, another blown eight-goal lead by the Vancouver Warriors. Uh, they're the only team to do it twice and lose the game. They did it to Colorado, against Colorado last year. They've done it now again this year to Vegas. You know, everything seemed to be going their way. They get that win at home over Vegas for the first year. They go down to Vegas. Everything's clicking. Everything's going right. Halftime happens. And then it's like they forgot what the hell they were doing. And I, I don't know what was going on in that room. I don't know if it was complacency. You know, it kind of seemed, and they mentioned on the broadcast that Vancouver almost, you know, was playing not to lose that game. They were sitting on the ball. They were being comfortable. They they weren't as aggressive in that second half and allowed Landing Kells to settle in. It allowed that offense 
of Vegas to find their footing and slowly start to chip away. And it was once they got two, three, four, you could see the old Vancouver reverting themselves and they just had no solution. There was no timeout call by Troy Courtney, no goalie change to kind of change the momentum, even for 30 seconds to a minute, just to let Aiden Walsh regroup himself. And that's a concern for me. And I think that's a concern for a lot of people that when things aren't going right, how do you not try to do something to change the momentum? Say what you want about what Emerson Emerson Clark and Jackson Subak did at halftime. It sparked their team for the rest of the game. I'm not saying that Vancouver needed to go and start a brawl or anything like that, but they needed something to change the momentum in their favor, and they didn't have that answer. And that is more of a concern than anything for me. Say what you want about blowing eight goal leads. That's never a good look. But the fact that your team and your coaching staff couldn't find something to change the momentum or even try to do something to change the momentum is incredibly concerning. It's don't get me wrong. I'm I'm not going to give them a free pass. Like that that's certainly concerning. But at the end of the day, you know, Vancouver had an opportunity. Like instead of everyone talking about, wow, Emerson Clark and Jackson Subak changed the game by lighting a fire under their team's ass. They could have easily taken advantage of that with their power play that they had. Oh my. And instead of ever being like old school across his back, like look what they did for the team. They could be like, shit. They, that those guys tried to tried it and look what Vancouver did with all that firepower. They said, F you, you know, we're putting you away. Instead, they couldn't capitalize on that. And, and this is why my, you know, spoiler alert, uh, my hot take is that, yeah, you know, I won't give it away fully, but <laughs> I think some, you know, something's got to give with this team. And, it does. And, I'm, and I'm not saying it's, it's Keegan Ball's fault or Mitch Jones no. fault or Logan Shuss's fault. Well, you know, like ball had 10 points. Jones yeah. had nine points, but in that moment on that power play, the ball has to go in the back. If they score one goal, I don't know if Vegas has that comeback. But the fact no, – No, I agree. I, I, the fact that they had like a seven-minute five-on-three, uh, multiple five-on-threes, and they just couldn't get it done, and they, they couldn't find a goal, um, had to speak volumes as that game went along. And the guy that was watching that game very closely was Brad Chowner color commentary for the Warriors and TSN West. Brad, what's going on, brother? Fellers, nice to see you guys. Nice to hear your voices. Always a pleasure to have you on. Um, When you were watching that game, and as the second half started, you know, Keegan Ball drops the line of, oh, that was a coward move at the half of, of what happened. And then you would expect them to come out and take advantage of that and build off that. Uh, but nothing happened. What stood out to you in that third quarter and that comeback that really hurt Vancouver other than, you know, the anomaly of not scoring on a seven minute five on three. You know, I've watched this team for a long time. And I think our friend Evan Schemenauer summed it up in random thoughts this week. And it's unfortunate, but Vancouver, Vancouver themselves was his, was his quote. And 
you know, I'm not, I'm not in that room. I haven't been in that room, but it, it just looked like, it looked like they stopped caring. Mm-hmm. It's like they just, they, they checked out and they lost their jam and they've got killers in the lineup. And I was just waiting for, okay, if you get on a run like that and, they, and Vegas starts chipping away, you know, a guy like Mitch Jones or a guy like Keegan Ball has the ability to just say, guys, hey, give me the ball. I'm going to go get one now. And there just wasn't that killer instinct to seemingly end that run. And even after Charlotte Beatty's got the power play goal in the fourth, okay, now we've got the lead back. Let's, we got one. We got the lead back late in the fourth quarter. Let's go get another one and another one. And it just, it didn't look like there was any heart or passion or jam to finish that game off. And that's what, that's what concerns me about this club. And that's what's concerning about this club for the last, for going back years. It's just that they lack that killer instinct and, I'm not questioning anybody's compete level because I know they've got some killers and some competitors in that lineup, but where is that ability to take over a game when you need it, like a Dixon or a Dobie or a Jesse King has when you see guys that could just, okay, now it's time to go and take this thing to the next level. They haven't had that guy in that game. Well, I I talked to we talked to Jake a couple of weeks ago on Coast to Coast, and I asked him like, okay, your armchair GM, your Troy Cornerly, like, are you starting the fire sale now, or are you going to try to make a push for the playoffs? I don't think there really is a question now. I think that the thing they should be doing is thinking about the future. Now, does that mean? sell off a guy like Jones, a guy like ball, maybe some guys on the back end you, you, you think of getting rid of, but you, again, you've said you've been watching this team for a long time. You've been watching this team, this, this, this version of the Warriors for a long time. Are you okay with parting with some of those pieces? Because those are the pieces that you draft. Those are the pieces, those guys you go out and find, they, they find Keegan ball as a street free agent. And now all of a sudden it feels like that, diamond in the rough is, is being wasted. Are you hitting the reset button if, if you're Troy accordingly? I think you can definitely start looking at some pieces. Um, UFAs are going to be a big deal this summer. I think Jones and Ball are both up this summer. And you got to try to look, are we going to resign those guys? Do we lose them and get a, uh, a first rounder back? You know, I don't, I don't get a sense that those guys are looking to go anywhere else and i've always hated the philosophy of like oh western guys are going to stay in the west and eastern guys are going to stay in the east but there is something to be said about that so you know when i start looking at moving pieces are you looking at a guy like kyle killen who lives in north carolina and has a terrible travel schedule right now and has some stock value like the guy's a 40 goal scorer you can probably get some good return back for kyle killen um like i don't want to pull the plug on on Charlotte Beatty's because that is your one of your highest draft picks over the last couple of years. And that could be a piece of the future, but can he go East for maybe one or two picks or future prospects um, to start building things? But, you know, to me, the issue is, is how to replenish some pieces on the back end. And I think you've got a lot of, of veterans on that back end who knows how much many more years that they, they have, you got Owen Grant coming next year. So to me, like, I think their offense for the most part has some good pieces there that you might have a chance of re-signing based on their locality and wanting to get it done 
in Vancouver, a, a franchise that gave their shot. But how do you start replenishing some of the pieces on that back end to bring some of that youth and some of that energy in? Well, they have Panther City this weekend, and this is sort of that stretch of games. They had Vegas twice. They got Panther City twice where everybody thought this is an opportunity for them to kind of right the ship. How important is this game for the Vancouver Warriors coming up? Well, it just got a lot tougher with uh, with Calum Crawford coming in the lineup. So <laughs> what looked like a month ago as maybe potentially scheduling three wins in and getting yourself uh, to four and three after that tough start, I don't think that's looking that easy anymore. Yeah. You dropped the one to Vegas, and now Panther City's coming in. You guys watch that Tracy Koleski locker room speech that was oh, floating yeah. around on like how do you think that a team like that is going to come in and you're going to get an easy win over? Like, this just, it's not going to happen with Panther City anymore. Crawford coming in, who knows it's going to affect their lineup, but I do know that there's always a glow between a guy who's going to get traded and come in and make a debut. Like, it's going to be splashy, and he's going to be fired up. So I think, I think they're in very tough this weekend. Based on what we've seen from Vancouver, they're in very tough this weekend against Panther City. Yeah, and again, I, I don't know if you you pick up two two wins against PCLC, maybe you're back in into things. But I, just the way I look at the West right now, man, like Teddy and I have been saying for weeks now. I think this year is going to be the year that we get four and four. Like I really yeah. don't see how there are not four teams making the postseason. And and with that being said, you've seen a lot of this team um, over the years. Is 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 this Sask team? Are they back? They might not be the the dynasty team that we're seeing, but it certainly feels like they're that little uh, blip on the radar last year is not happening again this year. Yeah, this seemed to be just just a blip to me. I think as Jimmy Quinlan said, the Green Machine looks to be uh, alive and well. You know, Matthews and Church are, are connecting again. Their their youth is is starting to pick up. They've got great veteran pieces and young pieces. And they've got a goaltending tandem. But I think Bouquet is probably overperforming right now than, than what he's he should be at. But they've got a good one, too. So if there is a game where Bouquet is struggling a little bit, you've got a guy who started in the league coming in in Eric Penny. And there's not a lot of teams around the league that have, I think, you know, it, they might be like a 1B and a 2B. But that's better than having a 1A and a, and a C if you do get in trouble. So I do think that the tandem helps them a lot. You know, I think that um, their offense is is humming kind of like it was, and their defense is is mean as it was before. Rubish is still true to form. The young guys coming in are picking up that system really well and playing for Jimmy Quinlan. The fans are back. You know, they're at home this weekend. Um, that's going to be a, a nice place for them to play. That's always a tough bar, and their fans are looking like they're buying in again and believing in this team. I think I know that was gonna be I was gonna give you guys a hot take to say four teams from the West get in, but that might have been a hotter take before <laughs> the season started. Now that we're in week nine, it's not such a hot take anymore. The way that the the four top teams in the West have been performing, uh, out of those top four teams, maybe it's SAS, but what, which team has maybe surprised you the most of how well they're doing? That's a good question, Teddy. Um, maybe Calgary being as elite as they are at this stage in the season. Like, I think they're really one of the top teams in the league. They've beaten, they've beaten Vancouver twice. They beat San Diego once. So, you know, the, maybe you can say the two wins are against, against Vancouver, but you know, I think Calgary is, is going to be upper echelon and finishing one, two again, like they did this season. Maybe Sask bouncing back is the surprising tale here. 
Um, you knew Colorado is going to compete every night. We knew San Diego was going to be good on paper, but I guess the surprise would be Sask bouncing back and, you know, being only two goals away from, from four and O with the start that they've had, um, has, has been pretty impressive. You, I think your preseason MVP pick, I might be wrong, is was was Tom Schreiber. Am I correct? It was. It was. Were you sweating a little bit with the slow start that he had at the start of the year now? Just a casual, what, three, seven spots in a row? Yeah. Right yeah. Not the scoring. <laughs> 100%, Patty. 100%. It's been a little bit gratifying to see him heat up over the last few weeks here. And you look at where he is now ranked. He's second in the league in goals. He's like third or fourth in points or something. He's right up there with the best of them. And it's been fun to uh, to watch him come on. I think he is the he's the best offensive player on probably the second best offense or one of the second best team in in the East right now. So that puts him in, in MVP category. I think he's due. He led the league in goals last year. No one shoots more than him. Um, very alert, low turnover rate. The ball is safe when it's in his stick. Teddy and I spoke to Matt Sawyer this week and. They don't care that he's shooting as much. They need him to shoot that much to be successful. And it's not like he's missing the net and those are turning into bad opportunities the other way. He knows when to shoot. And a lot of the times those are either hitting the net and turning into rebounds or more often than not, they've been turning into goals the last couple of weekends. I just think, you know, from a passing standpoint, from a shooting standpoint, what he does in that offense is, is phenomenal. He's Toronto's best player. And I still have him as my, as my MVP <laughs> candidate. Um, we're on the call this weekend for Toronto Calgary. Uh, it's going to be a matchup of, of two of the best transition teams. When you got Courier and Simpson, you got uh, Rogers and, and Mitch Desnew. Is there a, a fine line between which transition group is better? The um, it's funny because you've just prepping for this game this week. You're like, who would have thought going into this game with? the last three transition player of the year award winners with courier Rogers Rogers that we were going to, you know, sort of build this storyline, this game on Simpson versus Disney, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like that's, that's depth. And I think their transition games, they're, they're sort of built a different way. So Calgary's is get an outside shot, force the team to make an outside shot an easy save for Del Bianco that turns into a hail Mary breakaway pass down the, down the floor. I think every team's sort of picking up on that, that secret now he attempts more passes than any goaltender in the league on a game-to-day basis. He's got more assists than a bunch of offensive players in this game. They've got the weapons that can that can leak up the floor and, and make that happen. And Toronto's transition game is completely different. It's forced the opposition to cough up the ball, cause a turnover, turn it into a Lucy, and then bring the ball up the floor on like a two-on-one or a three-on-two. They've always have numbers, right? So even if the ball goes wide, they've got another guy there to to retain that possession for their team um so their transition teams are very different to me how and but we're seeing very two smart coaches going head to head this weekend i think it's going to be a a real x's and o's battle and who's going to drop the best game plan to try to stop that transition I, I think we might have to get a word count for you during play uh, because I don't know if there's going to be enough de- like dead air time to talk. <laughs> it's going to be just so back and forth, but in all honesty, I'm so jealous. You guys are calling this game because like, I think, and I'm not just saying this, like I think from an entertainment standpoint, I don't know if there's two more like TV 
ready to watch games than than the like like if a, a casual fan or just a random sports fan is turning on the game like i don't know if you could you could really promote the game better with these two teams yeah that's a great point and both coaches this week they they really admire the their opposition's team like calgary they're fans of toronto rock they think they're one of the best teams in the east they're going to be there at the end of the season maybe a team that that they might see in a, in a finals, you know? Um, and and how could you not admire Kermalowski? And Matt Sawyer was saying that to us this week. Like, they admires the way that they they play offense, how structured they are, um, the great goaltending, physical Ds that like to push the ball out. Like, this is going to be – this is how teams should be built if you're looking at how to construct a club on both these two sides. So I think you're right. I think we've got two sort of marquee rosters, teams that play the game in an, in an energetic – sort of old school meets new school way with two very smart coaches. And I think it's going to be a, a hell of a, hell of a marquee matchup. And how many games to Pat, you two and, and Teddy, especially like we've called so many one goal games on TSN yeah. since this, since the deal of the last year and a half. And like, this could be another one of those for sure. Yeah. This is going to be a, an incredible matchup between two teams. What is it? 2000 days or something since they last well, played? One, 1056. So not quite, but yeah, the last time they played boys was the last game, the last weekend of games before COVID. Wow. It was a yeah. jam packed Sunday. You look back at, at the scores of that weekend. There was like three games on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. Bring it on. Patty loves his Sunday lacrosse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then and then that was it and then, this, yeah. and then we were done for like a year and a half so these two teams they don't play each other very often and i think calgary has the upper hand in the last four or five meetings that they've had but when they do get together it's uh it's quality lacrosse for sure i i can't believe we've gone this long without you know talking about san diego and i feel like that was the talk of the town the talk of the league heading into the season at the start of the season and then kind of just fizzled away sure some bye weeks maybe have played into that but i think people are still expecting more even though they're at four and one like what, what is kind of your uh what has been your maybe storyline with that team in this season obviously you know the quote-unquote super team of the offense but has there been anything else that has stuck out to you with this group so far i think that loss probably took deflated a lot of people's hopes of them right like there's a there's a six and oh team in the league right now that no one thought would be six and oh everybody thought probably san diego would be sitting at six and oh at this point in the season and, and trying to make a run so i think just the fact that they don't have the best record they're not at the top of everybody's power rankings has 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 taken some of the air out of the the life of the seals we expected that team on paper to be untouchable but they've been touched they've been in close games you know they could have lost that game to sask um calgary really punched them in the face a couple weeks ago and came back um you know i think the story with them is that that offense hasn't found a full 60 minutes yet we've seen some good individual performances from doby and dixon on night to night but they go quiet for stretches. Their goaltending has been up and down and their D is not really where they are. So when you see teams like Buffalo and Calgary and, and Toronto and Rochester kind of playing better lacrosse than San Diego, I think that's sort of taken the shine off of that team right now. I don't think they're done by any means or trending in a, in a terrible direction. They obviously have the pieces to figure out and get it done, 
but it just they haven't lived up to the hype. Yeah, they, they've got a huge game against Colorado this weekend, and and those whenever those two teams play, there's always that rivalry between those two clubs. So it, it'll be a good litmus test uh, for San Diego going into the Loud House. Um, what's one thing you always make sure you have in your travel bag, Brad? <laughs> Money for beer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, but we just charge that, so that doesn't count. Yeah, that's that's on the per diem rate. Uh, gotta bring a gotta bring the electric razor. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a five o'clock shadow guy, so you always got to make sure that the the beard is at the right uh, at the right length. HDMI cable helps because we're gonna have to plug in the the two games on Friday yep, night when true. we get to Calgary to watch. So you got to plug in the laptop to the TV at the hotel room, so that's always a big one. I always say pack your HDMI cable. Patty, what's in your go to bag? Oh. I mean, obviously, it's it's uh, some some hair mat, um, just a little bit spray, uh, shampoo, my own conditioner. Yeah. Wow, you bring your own shampoo no, and conditioner? No, no. <laughs> no, the Marriott's shampoo and conditioner is phenomenal. So oh know. yeah, are you a blow dry guy? You think this this flow here is is not a blow dry? Like, come on, you can't get that body Give me a break. <laughs> Uh, Brad, we will see you in Calgary for the broadcast. We'll actually see you in the airport uh, on Friday. But appreciate your time, my man. Always great insights and always great stuff. Uh, we'll see you in Calgary. We'll talk soon, brother. Okay, thanks for hanging with you guys. Nice to see your faces, and we'll, we'll talk soon, friends. Let's hope for an uh, entertaining game this weekend. So there's Brad Chowner. Um, always good chatting with the Chancellor. Um, I, I've called a lot of games, a lot of people, and people. a lot of people may not know this, but Brad and I started calling games back in 2010 when we were uh, doing Junior A lacrosse covering the Coquitlam Adnax in their run to that Minto Cup. So we've been calling games for a long time together, and I just love being in the booth. We have such a good rapport. Uh, we always have a good time on the road. Uh, it, it's just a lot of fun, and, and I'm so happy that he continues to call games, and whether it's with me or whether it's with Jake, uh, on Vancouver Warrior Games, just uh, one of the best in the business. So appreciate Brad giving us some time. Um, thumbs up, thumbs down, Patty. What was on your list this week? Well, we always got to start with uh, you know positive vibes with our thumbs up, and I feel like there there is a lot this week that we we could have given to, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, for my feel good story from the NLL this week is is the return of of Joel Taylor. Um, mm, yeah. Joel Matthews, you know, what was it? Over 2000 days away from, you know, in between his last NLL game. And and for, for those that don't know the story, I highly suggest um, grabbing, going on to uh, the Peterborough examiner and reading Anna Taylor's story about it. And and it is incredibly moving. Um, You know, obviously struggled immensely with, with substance abuse, Uh, you know, got his, his life together was playing, um, you know, for for Peterborough in in the ALL and finally got an opportunity to get back. He switched his name. Obviously we said formerly Matthews, but took his, his stepfather's name who, you know, he said was like, you know, made the choice uh, to love me when he didn't have to and and was a father figure and helped him through these difficult times and wearing number 70. And I was like, that is such a, you know, a weird number. And, uh, you know, but it turns out it was the year his his late mother um, was born. And that's why he wore number 70. So just a unbelievable story to see him score, uh, you know, such a, a big goal in Rochester, just 
really, really feel good story. And uh, obviously Anna, Anna Taylor had uh, a pretty good relationship with him, um, you know, being with the Peterborough Timberman, the AL, but also with the Lakers. Uh, mm-hmm. I know she put a lot of time and effort in the story and I hope there's more storytelling about this than just something online. Like I would love to see maybe a feature at some point um, for him to tell his story because it's quite powerful and quite moving. Yeah. I think a lot of us were all kind of confused when, you know, Rochester activates Joel Taylor and we're like, who the heck is Joel Taylor? And then Craig Rosinski kind of, started mentioning on the broadcast and like, Oh yeah, that's Joel Matthews. And then you read Anna's story and you're just like, man, what, what a courageous young man to not only go through all that, but also to be able to tell his story. And I I agree. I think there needs to be more on his story and everything that that it means for him to be back in the national crossing. So massive thumbs up for Joel for fighting through the demons uh, getting through the darkness and being back where he's happy playing the medicine game uh, with the Buffalo Bandits. My thumbs up. Uh, it was draft weekend uh, in some of the major leagues across Canada. The BC Junior A League had their draft. Uh, shout out Hudson Jenner going seventh overall to the Poco Saints. <laughs> into that. Um, the Major Series League had their draft, but the Ontario Junior League also had their draft. And they started off with an honorary pick, and this was something that the league kind of talked about, um, you know, maybe behind closed doors and had some closed doors conversation about what they could do. And if you saw the video, the Whippy team was able to draft honorarily Tucker Williams as a member of the Whippy Warriors. And we all know Tucker's story, and we all know how much the game meant to that young man. But what a touching moment for the Williams family, for Whippy Lacrosse, to just be able to honor a young man who uh, would have loved to have seen this day. And um, you talk the feel-good story of Joel Matthews. This is just a heart stringer uh, from the Ontario Junior League and such a classy move. Yeah, kudos Kudos to Mark Grimes, Colleen Grimes, and the entire OJLL like to 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 have that special moment. Um, I mean, you you could hear um, you know Greg O'Connor and his voice yeah. um, telling the story, and you know he had to take a moment before announcing it and hearing um, you know Toller uh, Steve Toll talk about about his relationship. Obviously, he coached uh, Tucker him and Sean obviously through the years and pretty special that you know uh, just a couple other picks later then steve's able to 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 coach or sorry to grab his son zach who was tucker's best friend and and zach to this day says you know he plays every single day for tucker because tucker didn't have the opportunity that he does and 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 every opportunity that Zach gets, whether it's now playing in St. Catharines or down at prep school, or uh, evidently when he gets a scholarship and, you know, most likely when his name gets called to the NLL, yeah. when he plays his first game, he knows that Tucker's there with him as well. And uh, it was, yeah, it, it was, it was super moving. And um, I'm sure there were not many dry eyes watching that moment. So uh, really special moment, really special moment. Thumbs down for me. Uh, the Philadelphia Wings had their afternoon game because the Eagles playoff game in the evening. So uh, they had a 
promotion going on that if you bought a Wings game day ticket, you got to go into the pregame parking lot a little bit early. And by early, I mean 8 a.m. So, you know, there were going to be a lot of people tailgating. I don't know how much it affected the crowd numbers um, actually in the arena or if people were just buying the ticket so they could get to the tailgate. But during that tailgate, a young lady decided to take a mini microphone and walk around the crowd and do some streeters and talk to some people. The number of people in the Philadelphia sports region that still have no idea who the hell the Philadelphia Wings are just blows my mind. This is a team, yes, they're 2.0, but they've been around in Philadelphia since the 70s. Like John Grant Sr. played pro lacrosse as a wing. And the fact that that organization and that name still doesn't hold much weight just boggles my mind. Philadelphia fans, be better. Know who your sport teams are. Go support them because the Wings are a lot of fun to watch. Wings games, NLL games are always a blast. I know there was a playoff game going on and people were knee deep in beer. But let's be better. It's my thumbs down. Yours? Well, you stole mine, so I'll kind of piggyback. Yes, no, this was going to be mine as well. Just the fact that, again, I don't even know if that's, hey, I guess, you know, content's content, but I don't know if that's the best piece of content that should be thrown out. But, hey, that's that's not it. But what I was going to say, though, is could there not have been a better way to, like, get those people that are in the parking lot to at least come inside the building? Yeah. Like, there should have been maybe a promo, like, you know, that day, like, have, like, $5 beers or – you know, whatever it may be, get some people in because then you wouldn't have those those people not knowing who who the wings are. And, and you know what? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. Like they didn't care that they weren't going in. They were there so they could get there early for the tailgate, get their tailgate set up, get their burgers and their brats going, whatever that that may be. But I don't know. I just felt like it was a huge opportunity missed out, whether it's it was the wings or or whatever. Yeah. There was an awesome way to piggyback off of a, a big sporting event. And unfortunately it wasn't met. I, I, th- I thought the, the idea was good. Yeah. You know, buy a ticket, get into the tailgate, but I think people found the loophole there. They're like, Oh, well I can just get into the tailgate super early by buying a wings ticket. So, you know, the, the bought ticket number might be quite high for the wings game. But I, again, like I said, I don't know how that correlated into butts in seats or, standing in that party zone behind the net. But regardless, great idea, maybe some poor execution um, and even poor knowledge of Philadelphia sports teams. But thumbs down are always usually a throwaway. It's usually us picking fun at people. Um, But yeah, I thought that just could have been done a little bit better. Uh, This week's games, uh, last week only a four-gamer. This week we have a lot of action. It all starts Friday Rochester at Halifax. You will be on the call with Pete Dalladay and one Mackenzie Jenner yeah. making her true pro broadcasting debut. Um, you going to razzer, hazer, give her the rookie treatment? <laughs> what do you guys got planned? Yeah, she's going to have to do the rookie, uh, the rookie lap first. Yeah. 
Um, I honestly, I'm so excited. Don't get me wrong. Love, 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 love the, the TSN games working with you and working with John and Ashley, but I'm excited to get back in the booth with Pete. Like yeah. it's January 25th and I haven't done a game with Pete yet. So I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> That's crazy. It's nuts. So I'm excited to get back in the booth with him. He's always a, a blast to do some games with. And then of course I'm, I'm pumped for Mackie. Like yeah. she's obviously done other games before, but like this, this is something that, you know, she's obviously been dreaming up for a long time and you're already talking with her in some of our production meetings. Uh, I know she's going to knock it out of the park and just make our broadcast that much stronger. How was she on coaches calls this week? Awesome. She was great. She's great. She, uh, who was it? Uh, Jake Withers said best question uh, of the the interview came from her. So what was the question? You remember? Uh, Oh, is the adaptability of the, the defense with, you know, guys coming in and out of the lineup, uh, how they've been able to to kind of work with that. So you got to step up your game. Oh, trust me. I know. Wiz, Wiz (laughs) he he let me and Pete hear about that. uh, From Um, from a game standpoint though, like, I mean, uh, we're going to be there. We've been talking to the guys yeah. uh, about it, but like, I'm super excited for it. Like Rochester, man, like we, we keep talking about like, is the bubble going to burst? Well, on the flip side, like this could, I don't want to say make or break Halifax season, but this kind of goes to show me like, okay, what, what Halifax team are we going to see? Are we going to see the Toronto rock Buffalo Halifax? Or are we going to see that dynamic offense that just like blows everyone's socks off? Yeah. You know, they, they, a loss here and they're below 500 and would only leave three teams in the NLL East above 500. And that's how we usually look at the NLL West. Yeah. Um, It's kind of a flipped script here in the national lacrosse league where the East is, you know, the, the upper echelons are there, but the bottom half is starting to fall off. How important is this game for Halifax? You mentioned it. Like, this this has to be almost a turning point in their season after the weekend that they had two weekends ago. It, it really has to. And, and talking to Mike Kersey, he said that, like, of course, because I asked, I was like, how, how do you not allow that one bad week to affect the complete vibe of the season? And he said... We felt like that game in Albany was the game that we let go. It was, mm-hmm. they felt like it was a five minute lull where they went to sleep on both sides of the ball. Albany got back, they tied the game. And they feel like if they beat Albany and lose to Toronto, hey, we'll take that. It's a split on a doubleheader against a t- very good Toronto Rock team and a very good Albany team. Instead, yeah. now they're three and three and at a point where they're looking at themselves in the mirror. But he also said, you know, they faced adversity the last two years halfway through the season. Yeah. He doesn't hate the fact that they're having the look in the mirror type of thing this early into the season because they were eight and one at some point and talking to, talking to Mike, you know, I always love picking his brain because he's, he is one of the most honest uh, mm, coaches around. And he said, you know what, Pat, like we're, we might be eight and one right now, but we're getting lucky with a lot of these wins. That's why we saw the trades. That's why we saw the shakeups because they knew things weren't sustainable. So they're at a point now where they're not, you know, that Buffalo game was poor. The The second half of that Albany game, they felt they, you know, they really played poorly. Um, and then obviously Toronto was, was, was a, a shit kicker. Right <laughs> um, they, he's kind of, he's okay with, he's not happy that this is happening, but he goes, if we have to face adversity, I'd much rather right now than, you know, heading into playoffs or while we're in a playoff push. Yeah. Uh, the next game, Buffalo at Philadelphia, Philadelphia coming off a, 
a terrible performance at home. They started to claw their way back in that game, but by that point they were they were already out of it going up against a Buffalo team that really is starting to find their stride. Um uh, here, you know what Ted, I want to ask you a question because oh. you're always asking me questions, but two-way street, go ahead. Is this deja vu for for Philadelphia? Like I feel like like they they go out, they make some changes, they get Joe Rez. Like, but I feel like once again we're looking at this offense and being like, what's missing? Mm. Because there is no there is no, and I know Nick Rose is playing unbelievable, and I know the Toronto Rock defense is we just wax poetically about them before we were talking with Brad. But there's no excuse for all that talent to only f- have five goals. Like, what is missing with this offense? I don't get it. No, I, I think in years past when we looked at that team, and Paul Day would say it as well, that they were they were slow offensively. Um, they had a lot of big bodies that could shoot the lights out. They could go get loose balls. But they didn't have the right mix of players. And they get Ben McIntosh a couple years ago. He struggled. He's starting to find his role. Joe Rezateritz is is always going to be town, but like I I don't think they expected to get 21 points out of Blaze, or maybe they did. You know, with, without Corey Small there, Scott Gabrielson said on the broadcast, it's now giving Blaze more touches. So maybe we're now starting to see, you know, what Blaze can actually do. But Blaze and Rambo are very similar. Um, Joey Rez is your all round number one guy, but you can't be expecting Kyle Matisse as a transition guy to carry you. They've moved on from Corey Vitarelli. Um, Sam LeClaire only has five points in five games. So you're looking at Blaze, Rambo, McIntosh, and Joey Rez. That's only four guys, you know, and, and your four guys are playing incredible, but you're not getting the depth that you need from the other guys. You're not getting a lot of transition scoring. And I think when you can get transition you can your offense becomes a little more free because you're getting guys stuck back on that defensive end where you can take advantage of. But their transition game isn't doing the things that we've seen their transition do in the past, which you know allows the other team's defense to settle in five on five defensively, find their matchups, and pick their guys that they want to go at. Joey Rez is going to get his points. Blaze and Rambo and Benny Mack are going to get their points. If you can limit them and take away the other guys i think you're going to be fine i honestly don't think philly's that far off offensively no i don't i I think they need one or two more guys that complement those top four unfortunately sam leclair is not it hunter lemieux is still learning um take tony had two points in his first game maybe he can be that guy now that he's in but i i still think they need a few more adjustments but it, it all comes you know full circle you get good goaltending your defense plays confidence. You start your transition, and it gives your offense some more chance to free and wheel. So if they can put things together, great. But right now, I, I think they're limited to what they can do offensively with just four guys. If, And I know he's not having the best of seasons, but if I'm Paul Day, I'd be considering phoning up Vancouver and asking about Kyle Killen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. That's... I I would, I'd be on that already. You know, I agree with you. I think that's a piece that they could definitely add in that would just kind of complement that offense, get a true pure outside shooter, a guy that can play behind the net 
um, like a power play guy. I think he would really fit into that offense. I think that's a great uh, point, a great addition, and something that Paul Day uh, might be looking at. Um, I, when you look at teams that sort of the NLL needs to succeed, you know, we often look at, you know, they need Vancouver to be good. They need New York to be good. And those are teams that are struggling. I think as a cornerstone franchise, 2.0 or not, I think they need the Philadelphia Wings. The league and the game needs the Philadelphia Wings to be an upper echelon team. They've had some tough games. You know, you look at the, the first game against Halifax, you look at the game against Toronto. They've had some tough ones, but they're still a team that, you know, is what a game out of a game behind being 500, put a couple wins together. You take away, you know, the, the two blowouts aside, they're two and one. So this is a team that just kind of, and they've only played five games. So they're going to go on a stretch here over the next, what, 10 weeks, 12 weeks where they're playing a lot of lacrosse. Yeah. So I think once they get into that rhythm of week in, week out, get all the buys out of there, um, they, I think they got a, one or two maybe tough travels, but that's about it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think this team's going to find find some rhythm in the second half of the season, and I'm very interested to see what they do, especially if they can make a trade or two to improve that offense. Yeah, and I don't want to put all the, the blame and the pressure on the no. offense because I do agree with you. I think that the top core is doing their job. Um but like, like I, I do think obviously the defense needs to be better. I feel like the defense has regressed and is probably not where Paul Day expected them to be, yes. which has put more onus on the offense to be better. Maybe you're right. Maybe more transition, maybe more steady defense takes a bit of pressure off those big guns. I just feel like one or two pieces away on offense on either side of the ball, they can immediately put themselves back into the hunt and, you know, get back into the playoffs uh, playoff race but as you and I know like you can fall back quickly it's going to be hard to, to to run uphill you know and, and I'm just going back and look at the numbers from uh, last weekend's game and the the battle at the face-off dot is always one that people watch and, and pay attention to whether you think they're important or not but Baptiste went 14 of 23 against TD like I don't think many guys or many teams have that success against Toronto at the faceoff dot. Maybe Jake Withers and Halifax. But the fact that Baptiste went 14 to 23, got them those possessions, you would have thought they would have had more success. But that Toronto defense just absolutely shut them out of that game. And I think Buffalo is going to try and do the same. I yeah. think, you know, I think Baptiste is probably going to have a dominant night again at the dot going up against Max Adler. But can they turn that those extra possessions into offensive success? Yeah. And going up against a Buffalo defense that is very aggressive. Matt Vince plays super deep in their net. They're going to have to get creative offensively to try to find a way inside to not only beat the defense, but meet, beat Matt Vince. And if they have another game like they did against Toronto offensively, it's going to be a very, very long night at home in Philadelphia on Friday. Uh, Saturday games. Buffalo is going to have to take the trip over to the island to play New York. We'll talk to Rich Lisk about that momentarily. Uh, Vegas at Saskatchewan. Um, this is going to be a tough one for Las Vegas. Obviously, the vibes are high around that organization and around that team getting their first win, the dramatic comeback, everything that happened. 
but they're going up against a juggernaut that's sitting there waiting for them in the cold of Toontown. Uh, I think this could be a very, very difficult game for Vegas. Well, I'll put it this this way. Uh, Vegas can't come out flat like they've done the last two games because in that building, with that offense humming, with that defense being so suffocating, um, you're not clawing back in that no. second half. It, it's just not going to happen. And, and you know, we talked to, to Brad, and he's on the same page as us. Like, Sask is back. They're a team mm-hmm. that's going to be competing for a playoff spot, and they have all the workings to win a championship. Uh, as long as they're goaltending, as long as Bouquet or Penny play the way that they, they can, they don't need it. I, 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 they don't need an MVP or a goaltender of the year in between the net with that defense and with that offense. Um, and, and it's, it's, it's quite obvious just with the way that this team has played uh, this year. And you, you, again, I keep saying it's a goaltender's league, but when you have a defense that's structured like that, the goalie just needs to play good enough. So I'm excited for that game. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I think it could be a long night for Vegas Mm-hmm. Uh, they proved us wrong last week. You, you think that game was done and over and they come back, but I just don't think they can afford. And I think that's going to be the message that that win was great. Um, and that seems to be the message of this, this team with the, the, you know, if you saw Sean Williams come in with the, the robe, yeah, and the boxing gloves, and the yeah. bell, that's like the MVP um, thing that they give away and it's talking about the 12 round the fight like a 12 round boxer being a 12 round boxer taking those blows well this is a fight where i don't think you can afford too many blows no first half you're gonna have to play a little more discipline you're gonna have to maybe throw a couple of you know uppercuts in the first couple rounds to stay with this heavyweight fighter that is the saskatchewan rush uh alex bouquet 9.29 goals against he's second in the league um well like nobody's even close to nick rose right now but do you put alex bouquet in the conversation for goalie of the year i know you said you mentioned it, they don't need him to be but is he a byproduct of the defense or is he actually having a great year he's he's stopping 80 percent of the shots that he faces which is a solid number for any goaltender that's playing the minutes that he is and he's two and two right now. And again, those two losses, some some tough one goal losses that they had. But maybe they don't need him to be a goaltender of the year. But do you start putting him in that conversation? I think we need to see more, to be honest, Teddy. Like I, I, I I'm not trying to take anything away from him because I think he's having a great year, a very strong year. But he hasn't done enough to put his name in front of Nick Rose, Dylan Ward, Ryan Hartley, and even a guy like Christian Delvianco. So until one of those guys fall off or, you know, he really, really continues this play even longer then yes, we can put his name in that category, but I just don't think he's quite there just yet because not because of what he is doing or isn't doing. It's just, there's at least four other goalies that are just on another planet right now. Toronto Calgary is a TSN game of the week. It'll be Brad Chowner, myself and Chantel Chan calling that one San Diego at Colorado. Um, this is always a great match. We mentioned it with Brad. San Diego often gives Dylan Ward's fits, much like Saskatchewan does, and a lot of that is predicated with ball movement, guys getting behind the net, taking advantage of Dylan Ward's art. But this is a Colorado team that is slowly starting to get healthy. They got Brett Craig back. 
Uh, Zed was back. Reese is healthy. Um, they're still waiting on Ryan Lee. But this is starting to be a scary good Colorado team, and this is going to be one heck of a matchup. Well, anytime you said it, any anytime these two teams meet, it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, talking about guys that are starting to heat up. Well, Connor Robinson, we're yep. starting to see him heat up right now. His his goals and assists line looks more like a Cy Young candidate at ten and three right now. Yep. But obviously, those points are going to come. He's going to put the ball in the net. Um, but for for me, uh, this this comes down to to San Diego. Can they put together sixty minutes of play? Mm-hmm. Which goalie do we see? Do we see a goalie play all sixty minutes? Like they're still at four and one, so I don't think they're hitting the panic button. But if no. you talk to anyone or hear any interviews they'll be the first ones that say like, they're not pleased with where they are right now. They feel like they haven't even scratched the surface. And that is a scary, scary thing when a team's still winning games, but they're pissed off that they're letting teams back in. Um, if this team can find their stride, man, I, I'm still not counting them out. No. Well, tending thing is, is definitely concerning, but I think this is a game where if they coast by or if they lose, then you can start being like, well, may, I don't know, maybe they are a bit fraudulent. But if they come out here and win, it's like, oh God, like th- this is this is this is the team that we thought we saw. Do you start O'Reilly or do you start Frankie? I don't. I, honestly, I don't know. I think <laughs> I think you have to start O'Rig, but like you don't want to lose Frankie. Like you don't like no. You have to have the internal conversation with yourself, with your your you know, your coaching staff. Can Olrig do enough to win a championship? Is mm-hmm. he a good enough goalie to win a championship? If that's the case, then go with him, ride the youngster. Um, but if you don't, if you think the only chance you have to win a championship is if Frank gets to some sort of, of semblance that we've seen before, then I think you got to give it to him and hope you see him come back. Final game of the weekend, Panther City at Vancouver. We talked about that one. Uh, Jake Elliott will be on the call with our boy Tino Farah. Shotgun, Tino, the pylon, going to be on the broadcast (laughs) with Jake. Um, That that may turn out to be one of the most entertaining games of the weekend because it could just be an absolute shootout. And you bring Callum into that lineup. How does he uh, affect that group offensively? Does he help? Does he hinder? Can Vancouver get 60 minutes from their goaltenders? Can their offense play a full game? Like so many questions uh, that we talked to Brad Chowner about uh, a little bit earlier, but that game definitely has the potential to to be an absolute shootout fest. It really does. And again, like you can talk about, you know, how important this game is for, for Vancouver. If they want to, show that they're not ready to pack it in like of course but on the flip side like panther city has shown that you know they want to take that next step brad mentioned the clip of of tracy koloski talking to his team Uh, you just see the way that they compete night in and out like there is no quit in this team they're at three and three and the way that the teams above them are playing right now they, they can't really afford to drop a game to a team that only has one, one win. We're going to see Callum Crawford in the lineup for the first time with this team. Like there's a lot of, 
you know, mixed feelings about that trade within the lacrosse world. Like, was it the right idea to bring in a guy that, you know, demands the ball on his stick? Well, you know what, Calvin Crawford, he, if he's in your lineup, your offense is going to score goals. But at the same time, on the flip side, that's going to take away touches from young young guys that are learning the, the NLL way yeah. like Dodds and like Donville. But I think if you ask Donville and Dodds, like, of course, do they want their touches? But the, the two type of kids they are, they're, they want to win games. Yeah. Like Donville, like, he, he, he just wants to win. Like, he just wants to win. So, again, it, I still don't understand the trade, and I'm not saying I agree with the trade, but it just goes to show you they don't give a shit about next year or the year after. Yeah, like, yeah. they're in to compete this year. Well, let's talk to the man who made that trade. Rich Lisk joins us on the show, friend of the program, always smiling. How are you, brother? Good, boys. How you doing? Good to see both of you. We are fantastic. Um, Well, let's just jump right in it. Um, Why did you feel the need to trade Callum Crawford? (laughs) You know what? This is going to, this is going to, and this is truthful. You know, when I'm on these shows, I, I wear my, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. My heart's on my sleeve. I'll, I'll tell you guys the truth. Callum and I have been together for a very long time, right? When I had a, I had a chance with Callum before he went to Colorado and we were talking. And then when he came to us in New England and then he came to us here and I'll always be, I always have gratitude for Callum for taking a chance on the riptide when we were one and 12 and he came from an eight and three team and he, he bought into the vision. So, um, you know, he and I talk every day and there was times where we were talking and it was heating up that it was becoming a lot for him. It was becoming a lot for him to come from Oklahoma to New York. And even before this year, there was no direct flights from Oklahoma to New York. So he spent a whole day to get here. Yeah. And um, this year, we actually got a direct flight from Oklahoma, from Tulsa to New York, and they canceled it. So he was all <laughs> The first one he did was 5 a.m. It left at 5 a.m. So he was like, okay, at least it's a 5 a.m. flight. I can, I can make that. And then they canceled it. So he was having a tough time getting here. That was first and foremost. Second, um, he's an older player, right? He's 38 years old. And with being 38 years old, you have a family, you have kids, you have a life outside of this whole world. And his kids are now at that age where they're playing sports and daddy's gone and daddy's not there. And he's missed basketball games and he's missed lacrosse games. So he came to me and said, you know, Rich, uh, I'm at that point where I got to get, I got to play closer to home. Mm. So now it gets thrown in my lap as I have to look at it from, from a couple of different angles, right? I look at it from the organization standpoint. I look at it from the human standpoint of myself um, making that decision. And then and I look at it from Callum's standpoint. And um, I, I, I like to say that I like to make decisions part with my head and with my heart. And, um, and that was a tough decision to make that I said, okay, I'll, I'll make a call to Bob and we'll talk about it because Bob is the only team you could go to. Mm-hmm. If I send you to Vegas or I send you to San Diego, I mean, you're getting closer in the West, but you're still taking flights. He can drive three and a half hours, four hours to get to these games. So I called Bob and, and we started talking and it took a couple of days and it made sense from his side that he wanted someone like Callum. And from my side, it made sense that I was helping a friend and a person that took a chance on us and 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 was really a, a good loyal soldier to us 
And, and I just felt at this point in time, it was good to put that human aspect in front of everything and say, this guy's had a tremendous career. It's a hall of fame career. Um, Let him finish it out where he needs to be in front of his family and, and, and make it easier on him. Um, And I was happy that Bob made a fair deal for us because technically, and I said this to Callum, I have to, I'm going to make this call and I'm going to explore this, but if it's not the right fit for us, I cannot do the deal to put our organization in a bad light. And Bob made a, uh, and Bob made a, a good offer back that I think helped us in the long run and helped us in the short run. And, uh, and that's why we made the deal, but it, it had a lot to do with, you know, the human side of this business we're in guys, right? This is our yeah. business. They don't live here full time in the markets. They don't make that much money to live full time in these markets. And there's a whole other world. He's going to live another 40, 50 years on this planet and that's what he needs to do. And it, it's coming to that point. Yeah, I mean, listen, people weren't happy. I get it. Fans aren't happy. I'm going to have a town hall meeting here in February where I'm going to answer these questions to the fans. And that is going to be my answer to them. Um, it, there, this part of this job has a human aspect to it. And that human aspect, the right thing to do was put him in a position to finish out his career um, in front of his family and make it easier for him. Do you feel from maybe from a lacrosse standpoint, obviously you lose a guy that is a dynamic forward, but it now allows this offense truly to be Jeff's offense and and, and the ball in his stick. Absolutely. I mean, listen, we all know it's, it's uh, we have Jeff T and um, we all know that eventually it is going to be, it was going to be Jeff's team, right? Callum came here um, before we drafted Jeff. And I think this team needed some swagger. I think this team needed uh, a straw to stir the drink. But you can't have two straws stirring the drink. And we all know the future of this franchise is Jeff T. And we all knew that it was coming. It came a little sooner probably than than what we were anticipating. Um, but not in a bad sense. It's Jeff's offense. It's Jeff's it's Jeff's the straw that stirs this drink. And this gives him the reign to do that now. And now we can build a we can build a, an offense around him and his strengths and, and how we see fit going forward. I don't want to, I'm not pointing fingers at Jim Veltman, but you didn't nope. waste any time. Once you kind of took over, you made the Fox trade, you made the Callum trade. Mm-hmm. Were these something that Jim wasn't willing to do or was it just you came in and, and wanted to make a change? It was more of me just coming in and wanting to make a change. You know, when people are going to ask me why um, we made that move with Jimmy and, and to be quite honest with you, that was a very, very tough decision to make. Jimmy and I are very close. He was with me in new England um, I know his family. He knows my family. Um, we needed more out of that position, and, and that's why we made the move. And it was more of when I came in, I, I dove in and said, this is, this is what we need to do, and, and we needed help on the defensive side at that point. We really did. We were coming off two um, really bad games on the defensive side, and we're young back there. And we needed someone like a Chad Cummings to be a little bit of a glue and teach these younger kids like the Mariniers and the Noseworthies and – and, and the Andrew Borgatti's how to play this game at that level and a little jam. I thought we got pushed around against Halifax. Um, I did not think that game was a good game defensively for us in that in the way we were handled by them. I mean, I'll, I'll say it. So I think a guy like Chad would come in here and, and teach us how to how to do that. And we need that help. You know, I say back there when you have a lot of younger guys, you have youthful exuberance and youthful ignorance at the same time, which is good and bad. And, and Chad is someone I think that can help glue that. Plus, I also knew 
that in the next couple of weeks here that Dan McCray's coming back, and that adds mm. another defensive yeah. veteran piece to it. So by making the move now, I could get Chad cemented in there and get him going, and then add Dan McCray in there and get him going, and now my defense looks so much different. So I think it was more of just a timing thing by us letting Jimmy go and then having this start to take forward um, and, and move forward with making that move. What do you think has been wrong? simple terms, what's been wrong with your group to start? Because uh, I would sure you'd agree that like everybody else, a lot of people saw New York as a team that was going to make major strides and push for a playoff spot this year. And it just hasn't gone according to plan. No. And you know what I say? Life's in in this game and and life is a marathon. It's not a sprint, right? I will say, and I'm not making excuses at all because I'm not an excuse person. We had a rough schedule coming Mm -hmm. right off the bat. That's true played San Diego and we played Halifax and we played Toronto and we played Rochester and kudos to Dan Carey and what he's doing in Rochester. And he's in that talk right there. I mean, he's the only undefeated team in the league right now. So the schedule wasn't working towards us. Um, You know, this had nothing to do with the move for Callum. Callum was only in one training camp um, and then he became injured, which was tough too. So the continuity up front was hard. And then when he comes back, he wants to he wants to do more. He wants to make us he wants to score. So the ball kind of goes to that side and does that. So I don't think there was continuity on the offensive side of things that kind of spilled over to the defensive side of things. And we had two really bad. I won't say we had two really bad. I think we had one really bad game. I think the Halifax was a really bad game. I think Toronto wasn't as bad as Halifax game, but the Halifax game was really the one that made me sit up and be like, well, wait a second. We didn't, we didn't have a good game. I think it was compounded as you guys know, in the league, every team has bad games throughout the year. There's 18 of them. You're not going to play 18 perfect games. We happen to play our one really bad game next to a really next to a bad game. And that's what kind of made you think, well, wait a second. um, What's going on here. Um, I think now we're you know, having this Albany game where we, we really came out and played well and played like I think a lot of people plus and myself and coaches think we should be playing. Um, I think that's a good starting point for us. But to say, um, you know, it was a little I don't I don't I don't like using the word disappointed because I'm not disappointed. I think it was a little shocking um, coming out because I think a lot of people had us um, in, in a different position. But I also like to break everything down into three-game segments. And, you know, we lost the first three-game segment. I have five more three-game segments to play. Well, I think it's it's evidently clear after hearing, you know, you speak here and, you know, hearing Coach Latticeur post-game or even any of the other clips that you guys throw out on social media, there seems to be a lot of belief, you know, in this team that you guys can turn things around and get it done. Um, you know, how difficult is it for you as a general manager to obviously want to make your team, you know, the best as possible, but also keep in mind, like you cannot sacrifice the future right now because of such a young core that you have. How do you balance that going forward in trying to improve your team? Well, sure. First and foremost, you know, we're not people I've read the stuff online and things like that, where people say, Oh, they're packing it in. They're playing for the pick or whatever. We're not. We're playing to make the playoffs like like we had from the very very beginning. Yeah, and like I said before, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We got a full, we got a, a lot of games ahead of us. Um, I think the Callum deal is a good one too because I think it did a lot of things for us. Yes, we lost Callum, but 
it also makes us make the offense look the future the way we want it to look and how it's going to play out. It gave us really good assets moving forward, you know, in the next couple of drafts here. I think I think in the next three drafts, we have nine to ten picks in the first three rounds, which is which is good. Um, you know, as, as I say to Laddie all the time, you know, he worries about the team. And then I kind of look at the organization and um, having 10 picks in the next three drafts in the first two rounds will really help us moving moving forward, picking up a local kid like a Petey LaSala and, 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 you know, with the face-offs and being a local guy and let's see how we can, we can develop him, picking up a kid like a Colton Lidstone who will come in next year. We also have Zach Deacon who's on our draft list and will be here next year. So for the future, I really like what we have going on in the future. And I like what we have made up here. And I like the way we bounced back in Albany and showed what we can do. So I think when you combine that with the rest of the season and how we can play and how we should play, and then when you look at us moving forward, we're in a really good spot. And I like the spot we're in. And I think, you know, there's tweakings on the outer edges, but I really like the core we've put together. The other piece um, of that Callum deal was Kevin Orleman. Um, he's been hurt all year. Uh, what's his um status uh, are you expecting him uh to be riding shotgun with his brother this season or, or is he a next year project that's a good question i'll know more about that after this weekend we haven't had him medically looked at yet um he's coming in this weekend to have our doctors evaluate him and see where he's and see where he's at and then after the weekend i can make that i can make that decision after i, I really have the facts in front of us mm-hmm. um but he's a good asset and he's a good, he's a really good player. And, and, and we'll see how that fits in with everything after we figure out where he is medically. How, how was Steven with the news that Kevin was coming? You know, that's funny. You asked that. And I'm, I'm glad you asked that. Um, I, I talked to Steven beforehand and I wanted him to uh, understand that he is our goalie. He is our number one goalie. And I didn't want him to have that change. I also didn't want him to be sitting there having dinner one night and have his brother go, <laughs> Hey, I got traded to your team. <laughs> um, so I wanted him to be aware. I wanted him to be aware when we were in the process of having names thrown around, and Bob and I kind of finalized names. Um, I had I had a I had a talk with him after I signed the papers, really, and said let's let's talk about this. And he was very good with it. He was very very supportive of it. He's a very big supporter of his brother, and um, and I wanted to make sure it sat well with him because if it didn't sit well with him. Um, that's a whole nother discussion and that's a whole nother conversation that um, I didn't want to upset that apple cart. He's a good, he's a good, good guy, Steven. And mm-hmm. Kevin is a really good guy. The family has been really, really good. I look, I got a text from the father after Tim Orlewan afterwards saying my, my boys are together. I appreciate that. And, and stuff. <laughs> it makes it an easier trip for him to just come to New York and not have to go to Texas and New York. Of course. <laughs> That that's awesome. When when can we expect to see uh, maybe some of uh, Riptide or NLO players in in the longest drive com- contest that's coming up this summer? <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's great. We I, listen. I I think it's it's something that we are going to explore a, a celebrity type pro am type thing, and you will definitely see some of our players in, in there. Um, you know, uh, if we can get a Mourinho or a Noseworthy, I'm sure they can hit a ball pretty far. <laughs> Not me. I won't be in that. I can yeah. tell you that. Heartbeat. Um, who's winning the Royal Rumble this weekend? Cody Rhodes. I think it's Cody yeah, Rhodes. Come on. That's it's the easy Cody answer. <laughs> it ain't The Rock. I can tell no. you it's not going to be The Rock, brother. No. I don't think they're going to do that. 
Um, Who's going to take it from them? I mean, they got to have somebody, right? It's not Kevin Owens. It's not. No, it's Sami Zayn. They're going to do their thing. They've been pushing the Sami Zayn angle, and it's been an incredible, (laughs) an incredible angle with him and Kevin Owens. Uh, Honestly, if they're not going to push Sami Zayn to take the title, I think Sami and Kevin create a tag team and go after the tag battles from the Usos. Yes, that's where I think he's better suited. And who am I to say, but... He, him and Kevin are better suited to go after the tag titles with the Usos. And I think you started to see that a little bit this weekend when they sent Solo in there to do something. Yeah. They stopped it, and that's going to start that. But I think the belt will eventually be on Cody Rhodes at some point. You need that gravitas to take it off mm. of Roman, who's had it for so long. Uh, you're obviously still a fan and, and watch it regularly, but do you still talk to some of your old running mates? Sure, sure. I've been talking to Kevin. Uh, Kevin Nash and stuff and we keep in touch and things and you know he's had that um, he's had a, a, a tragedy in his life and, and yeah. uh, we were talk we were talking very in, in, intently about those things and, and uh, you know my son was born the same time his son was born and, and the same time so um, it's it's a really tough thing that you know I've been chatting with him about and and stuff and I contacted Vince Russo a little bit and we were talking a little bit which was which was pretty funny because he's got a whole different take on a lot of different things not that I agree with all of his takes. yeah what what do you think of the the whole Vince McMahon coming back and how it affects WWE did he really leave that's what I'll say did he really really (laughs) leave and and listen if they're going to sell that company or they're going to do the next TV rights he is absolutely positively going to be involved in all of that it's company he holds the shares he's never going to relinquish that and um and and you know what from a business standpoint i don't whatever happened happened and what he had to what he's gone through and all of that but to make that deal to sell the company he has to be involved yeah um all right let's get back to lacrosse one last question (laughs) Uh, obviously buffalo in town they're coming they're going to be in philadelphia the night before um but how 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 big of a win would it be for this group after the start you had the murderers row that you went through in those first three weeks, you, you make the trade, you get a big win. And now you take on one of the top teams in these, how important of a confidence builder would this be for your group? It would be great. I mean, also too, we, you know, we've had so many home games, right. And we yeah. haven't won a game yet. So I'd really like to win a home game, which would be, which would be nice for our fans. Um, it doesn't get any easier. Our schedule, right. The East is hard. It yeah. is hard. Every single night you're playing someone that, that it's a, it's a coin flip. Um, but again, I break it down into three game segments and we win this game. We won the second three game segment. We went two and one. And that's really where I try to focus on whoever the opponent is. Yeah. I try to focus on that three game segment. And I'd really like to win this three game segment because then that's the momentum swing. Um, you know, it, and you can never predict and you guys know it better than me this back-to-back and you're sitting there waiting as the other team comes in. But um, I've been on many, many of the other sides where those guys get off that bus and just pump you for five or six, seven goals right away. Yeah. And it's frustrating. So I try not to play into that. We just got to stick to our game plan. We got to stick to what Laddie and Cross and and Jonesy are putting together, um, get these guys playing together and really get some continuity and not make any more changes in a way and make that continuity um, and get them playing together and build momentum. And that's what we need to do. And, and, and coming off a win, it's a lot easier to do that than coming off a loss where you're kind of gripping the sticks a little too tight. 
I think our, I think that win last week in Albany really helped us mentally and also helped get that monkey off the back of, of being having a zero up there. But I think it's going to help us mentally moving forward. Uh, that was a very large gorilla on your backs. Rich, I appreciate my man. Uh, always good catching up on the talking shop. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy the rumble. And we'll talk soon, man. Appreciate you. I appreciate it. Always love it. Thank you, guys. So there's Rich Lisk. Um, the three-game segment thing is, is kind of a, an interesting way to look at things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it kind of, you know, kind of goes a little bit like what I do with my, my junior B team. We kind of look at it at five-game segments, but we have yeah. a nice clean 20-game 20, 20 season, right? So it works in quarters. But the three-game segment is really unique with, with the NL just because the way the schedule is spread out and and – it's so close and it's so I I like the way that you know not really because I hate when coaches say like oh we're gonna forget about that one and and focus on on the game ahead it's like well no you can't do that because you gotta learn yeah and I know the coaches are dissecting the film the game after and they're looking towards so I think that three game segment's nice because you're worrying about just a couple of games ahead but it's still short enough of a memory where you're still learning from your mistakes that you, that you, you had the game before. Yeah, I completely agree. It's my co-coach Tyler Hebner always says it's not a loss. It's a learning experience. So if you can learn in those three games and then move on to the next three, it's just, it's a very wise way of thinking because you, you can't dwell on everything. You can only dwell on what is in that little segment. So uh, a lot of great stuff there from Rich Lisk. Uh, we are in a three-game segment of trying to win a parlay, so uh, let's figure it out. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> uh, last week we were decent almost winning uh, Vegas and New York not only covered but they won outright unfortunately Philly couldn't cover the plus two and a half so the parlay falls short one more time but the fans have chosen another one for us Patty this one's got some weight it's it's got some juice behind it for sure and last week it was all about the dogs the dogs were barking almost all three doggies were barking the wings as you said couldn't this week it's all about the favorites the yes, favorite, favorites the favorites so plain and simple don't need to galaxy brands ourselves and and get into you know let's just do this nighthawks rush rock all the win all favorites and you're getting a pretty damn good price for for three favorites here plus 340 exclusively at CoolBet. Head over to CoolBet.com, find that Features tab, scroll down, and you'll see the OTCB parlay. You can join in. And, of course, as we always say, thanks to our friends at CoolBet. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. Another great show in the books. Thanks to Brad Chowner. Thanks to Rich Lisk. Um, you are off to Halifax. When are you leaving? Uh, leaving tomorrow at 2.40, but we're kind of dealing with a little bit of a wagon of a snowstorm right now. Hopefully Ooh. it slows down and come thursday afternoon it stops and we can get off fingers crossed for you brother um we won't talk about the bills because we don't need tears on this show come so on. We'll, just, we'll just end it there 
Uh, thanks to you, the great fans, for always tuning in and listening. He is Pat Gregor. Find him at P. Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Or check us out on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Enjoy the games this weekend, everybody. If you take a friend or if you go to a game, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. Beers, lacrosse, and friends. No better trio. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. I am an alcoholic.